Hi, I'm Dr. Barbara Byers and welcome back to my podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about a serious but a very important topic, the cycle of abuse. And I want to uh, just start out by saying abuse shows up in relationships, but it is not a relational problem. The problem lies within the abuser himself or herself. So there's different types of abuse in a relationship. There can be physical abuse, um, psychological, emotional abuse. There can be sexual abuse. There can be neglect, verbal, psychological. There can be financial abuse uh, and any combination of these. The abuser usually feels like they lack power in the relationship. And we all need power in our relationships, but there should be a, a shared, collaborative, honoring power. And instead, because the abuser feels like they don't have power, they will try to take control. They grasp for it. So they create a relationship that is, um, the culture is based on conditioning the person they are abusing, their victim. They want the victim to respond in a certain way, the way they want them to, and then they feel more in control. And it involves manip manipulating, confusing, gaslighting. Gaslighting is when you manipulate someone into doubting their own reality or their own sanity. Uh, even using threats of injury or harm or actual harm in order to gain control. So the abuser creates an emotional traumatic bond. And that's really important to understand. They're creating a bond that makes their victim just keep coming back uh, and staying in that relationship. And so this bond means the victim won't resist or at least won't effectively resist in appropriate ways. They'll use intimidation, emotional abuse, isolation, a control of finances or pets or children, coercion, threats, minimizing, blaming, um, privilege, such as economic privilege or male privilege, um, and so on. So we could define abuse as any action intended to exert control or hurt another person. And as I said, it is about establishing and demonstrating power and control over someone else. And the, the emotional attachment is incredibly powerful and it keeps the cycle going. So um, if I am an abuser, for me, it's about controlling you. And if you left me, you left the relationship, I would no longer feel I have control and I might feel desperate, so I might up the ante. So there is generally considered a four-part cycle of abuse, and this was promulgated in the 1970s. And, um, and I can say I know this firsthand because in the late 60s, early 70s, I was a teenager and I was in this cycle of abuse. I was caught in this and I had a perpetrator and I was the victim and it was horrible and it was very hard to escape it. And now many decades later, I'm able to look back more objectively um, and understand some components of it. So that's why I think this is important for us to understand. Now, even though the cycle doesn't happen in all cases of abuse, 
Um, most abusive relationships go have a cyclical nature and they go through hope and then despair and then hope and despair. Um, and, and that's what, one of the things that makes it really confusing and really painful. So abuse doesn't look the same for everyone, doesn't look the same for every situation. It could have elements in one that, that aren't in another. But, um, and, and even within the same relationship, over time, the abusive elements may change. They may cease and then show up again and come back stronger. So here's the, here's the four-part cycle. One is the building of a t uh, tension. Then there's the incident, the acting out of the abuse. Then there's reconciliation in the relationship. And then there's a seeming period of calm. And abusive behaviors may escalate from step to step, although it's not always the case. All right, so let's take the first step, which is tension. So during the tension stage, the abusive partner displays some signs of uh, abuse, abusive behavior, and these slowly in, uh, increase in both intensity, frequency, and duration. And it can just be over very common issues. It may just be like some external factor, like financial stress or, or a medical issue or an interpersonal challenge at work, and then the abuser brings that home and takes it out on their partner. And these may include subtle or apparent uh, verbal abuse. Sometimes it can be very subtle, very undermining. Emotional outbursts, irritability, instability, impatience, shortness of temper, and so on. As the abuser's outside world feels more out of control, then they try to tighten control with their partner and turn to that relationship as a way of feeling in control again. It just makes the partner the target. So in this first stage, as the tension builds, usually the, the non-abusive partner will feel inside an increasing anxiety. And then they begin to develop a pattern within themselves of sort of accommodating that, of modifying their response, such as, oh, oh, I see they're getting mad again. I better walk on eggshells. Well, that's modifying your behavior to try to tamp down what's happening internally with them. And so you're just appeasing them to try to de-escalate the tension and prevent an abusive incident, which it really usually doesn't. So the second step is the incident of abuse. This is when the tension breaks open into the explosive phase. And, and there, so there's more severe emotional or physical or sexual abuse. But before this comes, the partner can really sense this is imminent. It's, it's, it's building and it's about to happen. And occasionally, even the partner will provoke it to kind of like, oh, they're gonna explode, let's get it over with. I know what happens here. So again, and I've said this twice, I think, it's the abusive's par abusive partner's overt attempt to regain within themselves a sense of power and control by feeling powerful and controlling their partner. So it, this could include intimidation, threats of uh, violence, throwing and breaking things in the home, 
insults, name calling, any kind of verbal violence, any kind of physical violence or threat physical violence. Someone backs you up against the wall and never touches you or just comes nose to nose and never touches you, it's still the threat of physical violence. Sexual violence, shaming, blaming, those are very typical, and any manipulation tactics like silent treatment, like gaslighting and so on. Humiliation, social isolation, they keep you from your friends or family, financial abuse, they withhold, and uh, emotional withholding, the silent treatment and so on. So it's possible that in this stage, um, the, the uh, incident stage, that it actually escalates every time. So, and, and even between cycles, maybe intimidation and some verbal abuse is present in the first few cycles, but they may, that may transition to physical violence. Okay, the third step is the reconciliation. This is sometimes referred to as the honeymoon phase. Nothing very honeymoon about it. Uh, so after this incident of abuse then, the abusive partner, their interior tension starts to dissipate. And, and this, of course, can be quite the opposite experience of the person on the receiving end. They don't feel less tension, they feel more. You know, you've just, you've just attacked me. Um, and so once they have this subs, uh, uh, abating of the tension, then the abuser may apologize, may feel more inclined to make amends. They might shower you with affection. They might make all sorts of promises. They'll never do it again. They'll go to counseling and so on. They can express shame. They can express remorse. But... They also tend to minimize it, even give excuses for it, even get into some forms of denial. And they may, they may seem genuinely ashamed uh, of their behavior. They may seem committed to reform. And because you, you care about them, because you're in a relationship with them, you feel very inclined to believe them. You want to believe them, which is part of your denial. Uh, and you want to believe what they're saying and you want to give them another chance and you might even do the Christian thing and say, well, you know, if I forgive, I have to trust again, which is not, not true. Forgiveness is not necessarily giving someone another opportunity to abuse you. So, um, and it's possible they even start doing things that are more romantic, little gestures, being supportive, seeming more loving uh, than usual. But in longer-term relationships, that too tends to disappear. And even in the early phases of a relationship, the abuser sets up the victim because they learn very early in that relationship how to pull the heartstrings, you know, and let you know it's never going to happen again. If we overcome this, it'll just make us stronger. Uh, but then they'll blame you for being dramatic and keep you bonded. So that leads to the fourth uh, phase of the cycle, which is the calm cycle. So during the calm cycle, the partner may continue to be attentive and um, you might notice a shift from them being apologetic to more excusing and minimizing their behavior. They'll shift responsibility. You know, I wouldn't have gotten upset if 
the garbage man had come on time uh, or because of so-and-so. And there's this underlying tone of dismissal now that you can't quite put your finger on, but something, something's off. They may even justify their behavior and they'll gaslight you. Oh, it wasn't that big a deal. Oh, it wasn't like you're saying and so on. And they'll deny and they'll blame. I don't know what you're talking about. And besides that, if you'd done this, we wouldn't be in this predicament. So somehow you end up being blamed. And you know, this stage, this calm stage can be very confusing as can the romantic stage. Uh, they seem to want to make things so right. They're saying the right things, mm, but they're also making these excuses. And you so want to believe them because you have a bond with them. But it's really a false hope. It's really denial on your part. And and you can even tell yourself, oh, maybe it's not that big a deal. Maybe I did react. Every couple has issues and so on. And this cycle is just so powerful that it can last for years and it, can, it actually can last a lifetime. It just becomes a normal way of living and living self-defended, but it's this long-term pattern that victims develop to adapt to their abuser. And then of course, after a while, we go back to stage, uh, to phase one, which is where the tension starts building up to the incident of abuse and then, you know, and so on and it starts again. And, and as I said, not everyone's cycle is exactly the same or contains all the same elements. So emotional abuse, for instance, could dominate the tension building uh, phase, the reconciliation phase and the calm phase, while sexual and uh, physical abuse may increase during the incident phase. So those are the four phases of the cycle, just I know in a very brief nutshell. And next time I'm gonna go over the characteristics of the victim and how to tend to this cycle and, and recognize what it is and start stepping out of it. Because that's really why I wanted to do this part one and part two, is to help both the abuser and the victim recognize and step out of this. And there's just always so much hope in the Lord. He is right there with us, whatever we're caught in and whatever we find ourselves in. He is a loving father who cares and step-by-step step knows how to unwind some of these things and get us to the next place that we need to be for our health and wholeness. So I hope you'll join me for part two. Thanks.